Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hi, Christy. Oh, dang it. <laughs> you were trying. Well, you pushed the record button and I wasn't ready. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> um, I'm pretty good. I am very over getting my house ready to go on the market. I know, but it's going to be worth it. It's you're, and it's going to sell fast and all of this hard work is going to pay off. That's the realtor Christy talking. So I, I know uh, just Claire and Libby last minute ended up going up to a gravel event and Libby was like, Hey, we've got extra room. I'm like, I have to be an adult and stay here and work on my house, yep. all weekend, which I did. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be worth it. Totally. So it'll be worth it. But so, now all yeah. of my, suddenly one by one, my outlets in my house are going out. <laughs> so I'm trying to get an electrician out before I have any more power. <laughs> so that's weird your house just turns into a money pit when you're trying to sell it mm-hmm. it it's does crazy. and you get all those projects done that you wish you would have done and then you're like oh now it's done and I'm selling it so. yeah and it's also I don't know if you're having this experience in Kansas since you work on real estate but there's everything sold out everywhere like yeah. I was going to try I need a new mirror for the bathroom and like no I can't find mirrors yeah. I was trying to just, you know, the yep. stager was like, put some decorative stuff here. And so I went to like three different stores. I was like, well, there's no decorative stuff really. So we're going without it. Yep. That's, that's the, that's a result of COVID. So. Yeah. COVID. And I guess I like people putting their house up or wanting their house to be nice since they're in it all the time. And then the supply chain <laughs> fell down. So anyway. If you're trying to get your house ready for staging, it's going to be hard to find all the little stuff. All the knickknacks. Yeah. I'm not a knickknack person. I'm not either. I can't stand (laughs) knickknacks. What have you been up to? Um, well, getting ready for a (laughs) gravel race. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's what I've been doing. So it'll yeah. be here very 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 soon and i'm very 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 excited um, i can't wait for you to be here and see it and us to do some 
live stuff from the stage and cheer people on and give high fives and all the good stuff that comes with a good old gravel race. So very much looking forward to it. Yeah. And then I'm going to sleep for like three weeks. <laughs> for a month. Yes. <laughs> I was just thinking about that today. You may need to find a co-host sub. So well, we'll, at least record, a, we'll record a podcast at Unbound, which will be the one that comes out the next week. Right. Oh, but then we would have to record. We'll take a week yeah, off. We'll figure it out. It'll all work. We'll it out. It'll all I work. might be packing everything into a storage you know <laughs> you may be so anyway it's all good yeah you know it's 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 so weird how fast the world is opening up again right yeah i mean it's there's all of this little hesitation that i'm feeling for sure but so much of what we're doing is outside right now that having been been vaccinated and reading everything i'm reading it just feels like it's okay largely when you're out there I saw that Fauci's talking about potentially looking at even loosening some of the inside standards. And, um, you know, I just, I just hope people are getting vaccinated and taking care of their communities as best they can. Um, even while we're doing this, cause it's, I think you can do both, you know, yeah. I think you still need to be aware. You still need to be washing your hands and, you know, people avoiding... still wash their hands anyway. I agree. But I think we maybe got to set a different precedent with that, with COVID like, the true, I mean, it helps with not only COVID, but also the flu and other things. (laughs) Yeah. Although there is something to be said for, for a little bit of dirt, which is good with gravel riding. I was actually listening to, um, one of our hit plane on pause podcasts. Uh, and she had a woman that, um, isn't a dietitian, but she works primarily with gut health. And she says she doesn't have anything like there's no solid evidence yet, but because we've used so much antibacterial this past year. And even when you go to the gym, like you spray everything down with antibacterial and her, uh, like her levels and her microbiome were off, but it's cause we're like killing the bacteria. Yeah. So it's good to eat a little dirt every now and then just go eat some dirt. <laughs> it's not a problem when you're riding gravel. <laughs> so there's I a have, lot of gross questions for you. What? Oh, where did you find our guest this week? Uh, Instagram. <laughs> I stalk people on Instagram. You're really good at that. I, I, I am actually quite good at it. I, yeah, I think I, I saw her on Instagram. Um, and I saw her story. She, uh, is a para athlete. She's, uh, trying to get, I think she was talking about trying, uh, going to the Olympic trials for Tokyo, and so then I started following her and I was like, oh, she rides gravel. So I reached out to her on Instagram. Yeah. Nice. Josie Fouts. Josie Fouts is our guest today. And I both, it's the end of the day for you and I, we were yeah. both a little bit like low energy when we yeah. came on. And she was not at all. In the first five minutes, it was like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, game face, Christy, game face. <laughs> It was so much energy and just uh, what an incredible story of someone who just has, she was born uh, without a hand and has never let obstacles get in her way. And yeah, it's a great, it's great. And I do think we should title this one swipe, right? Yeah. And there's a really good story, right? Yep. At the beginning of the podcast, yep. why so. that's true. And I, yep. I might have to pull the video on this one just so people can see the look on your face. 
oh God, no, you can't do that to me. No. <laughs> we'll just, just see trust how- me. I was surprised. I, I look awful today. <laughs> if you want to see the video from Christy, you should send us a message on Instagram <laughs> just in case. That's good. So, <laughs> all right, well, we'll get on with our interview with Josie Fouts. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends and that are coming out in wellness. Like, eat this, uh, avoid that. I don't even yeah, know where to start. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. But we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you, have you yes. done your stuff? Yeah, I'm so stoked. Yeah. So Inside Tracker is our new sponsor, and they're going to cut through all the noise, and they're going to analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. And then we get personalized, science-backed, trackable action plans for how we should eat, age, we need that, and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's The cool thing about it is it's, it's cheaper, and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So, so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, and I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise. Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, and the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. Well, Christy, you look cold. Well, it's uh, chilly today. <laughs> All right. You know, May in Kansas, it could be either 110 or 45. <laughs> so. Literally, <laughs> so, it's on the chilly side today. So, how about where you are? Uh, it's it's not super hot, but it's not cold. It's actually good weather for me because it can get really hot here. But nice. but our guest today lives in the land of perfect weather. Don't you, Jesse? Uh, yeah, <laughs> not too hot, not too cold, San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I spent I, I visited there in the summer when it was hot as. Jesus in Atlanta. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going back. Like I am not leaving. <laughs> right. Yep. That's basically what happened to me too. I didn't even need to visit. I just knew I was like, this is what they say. So I know I'll just <laughs> enjoy it. That's amazing. Cause you're not from there, right? Correct. I'm not, I'm actually from Ohio and then oh, moved out to Colorado started getting into adventures like outdoors adventures I was like oh I, I actually enjoy the outdoors now that I get like the real outdoors and then I kept hearing about how San Diego had everything mountains beach good weather and I was like that's it that's where I belong nice <laughs> that's amazing okay we usually start by asking our guests how they got into cycling but I'm going to confess I read an article about you today that said you got into cycling through a tender date so <laughs> this is the <laughs> Christy's face so true <laughs> so we need the scoop on this for sure okay <laughs> um yeah so I met my partner Taylor on tinder and it was totally just 
like random right but so is life and apparently I'm good at being random or I guess some people will call that being lucky um so I was on tinder just trying to meet new people and I kept getting these like super mushy messages like I like to take long romantic walks in the woods some people call these hikes and I'm like nope next swipe left like delete unmatch and then I get this message from Taylor and it's like you want to smoke a joint and smash a pizza and I was like oh yeah that sounds great actually <laughs> like we lived in Colorado and I was like that's literally what I would do alone let's do it together um and that's how we started talking uh and then I went over to his place and he like gave me the tour he was like yep bunch of dudes living in one place and he like opened up his garage and he was like you know just casually like 26 bikes and I was like oh okay I was like that's a thing that apparently is an outcome I didn't think of and I was I at that point I was like I thought nothing of it I was just like okay this is cool like they just got a lot of bikes. It's a bike thing. It's a bike fetish. I don't get it, but that's fine. And now here I am with a gravel bike, a track bike, a road bike, a time travel bike, had a mountain bike. Oh, and then I got like a cyclocross bike. And it's just like, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you fully succumb to the totally. cycling adventure. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So at the time when I met Taylor, I was studying immunology, uh, which is just like the immune system and how it can turn on to be pro-inflammatory or turn off to be anti-inflammatory. And like what I was learning is that the immune cells, when they're born or produced, like they aren't, they don't choose to be pro or anti-inflammatory, but what dictates them is the environment and what signals the environment is sending to them and like pushing them to be and i was like oh like in a bigger sense i'm like a little immune cell and i will just become whatever i surround myself with and i specifically like wanted to meet more people who were healthier because i was kind of tired of feeling cognitively disconnected with what i was studying i kept learning about how like alcohol and like vegetables are can either be detrimental or promote health and I was like well we're learning about this but then we all go out to happy hour and it like just like made me feel weird on the inside so I was like I need to find people that like live the healthy lifestyle and it was this Taylor guy on tinder <laughs> <laughs> this is a first I love it I love it I didn't tell Christy this after I read the I did send her the article but I knew she wouldn't have time to read it today and I was like I can't wait to see the look on Christy's face when I asked the question <laughs> <laughs> well Tinder wasn't around when I was dating so there's that you know like trying to understand how that all works is is a whole other thing so but I do get the how I, I do get meeting somebody and riding bikes. That makes sense. Right. It just facilitated us meeting faster. Like we 
talk about it a lot and we're like oh like would we have met each other any other way and we're like yes like we we knew that we were like destined to like meet each other and tinder just made it faster and happen and have it have it happen sooner so so like, you, met in Col- you guys you guys met in colorado mm-hmm. and then he followed you out to san diego yep nice well okay since he had all these bikes he also had a car that would fit a lot of bikes or had a lot of space. So when I was moving, I was like, okay, I could rent a U-Haul or for like a quarter of the price, I could just ask Taylor to help me move. And we can like go on this like rad road trip and like stop and see all these like places and like go snowboarding, go hiking. And he, so he was in, um, and it was, it turned out to be like a win-win situation. And then the same thing happened to him, like everybody else who visits San Diego. He's like, huh, I don't think I want to leave. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Well, you didn't just start riding bikes, though. You became really good at riding bikes and you're trying to qualify for the U.S. Paralympic team this summer. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Yeah, so... Not obviously. gravel, obviously. What kind of cycling? Tell us the story behind this. How you? How did you become really good at it and decide that you could become a Paralympian? Um, good odds, good numbers, good randomness of like, this is how I was born. Um, and these are the opportunities that I have. So in like any race, let's say like um, Unbound, there's like what, 200 riders BC before, Colo- before Corona? Um, so like the odds of one rider winning is like one in 200, which is the same for Taylor in like a pro men's field. But for me at the Paralympics with the way that it's set up where they subclassify so many or all the para riders, um, into like 15 different groups, it's me versus four other women. So just by odds, I was like, whoa, I have like a really good chance. And what really was the tipping point was um, Taylor riding with a paracyclist, Cody Young, and I just wanted to ride my bike. I was on like a road bike with down tube shifters. And I, in my head, I was just trying to keep up with my friends. So they like (laughs) didn't drop me. just not on the ride, but like as, as a friend. So apparently we didn't, we did this ride that wasn't easy, but I like kept up and they were like talking about it at first. And they're like, yo, Josie, you know, you could also do this full time if you wanted to. And I was at that point, like commuting by work to work as a microbiome lab manager and it was getting really stressful because it turned out that work is just the same as school but (laughs) they pay you a little bit more still (laughs) underpaid but (laughs) and I was like huh so I kept having those same feelings as when I was in grad school I was like okay now I'm studying the circadian rhythm but to do that I have to stay up for 48 hours straight and I'm disrupting my circadian rhythm. I'm like, no, like I want to live a healthy lifestyle. Like that is the whole point of me going into this field. Um, and so when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, 
let's do it. Let's see what happens. And apparently it was like, again, one of the best decisions I made out of my life. <laughs> so when did you start your journey? I started in 2018. Okay. Um, I quit my job in October. And then my first track race was in December. And that's when I set a national record and won two national championships. I was like, oh, I'm a very like stoic person as a researcher. So I like understand that like, oh, there's also so much randomness and confounding factors. And I was like, this is pretty straightforward. Like I can't misinterpret this at all. Like I should keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I'm actually really good at this, so I should keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. So that was the end of 2018. Then 2019, I just started racing because I was a bike racer, not a bike trainer. And so I like jumped into able-bodied races, mostly road and track, because that's what the Paralympics offered for cycling. And then I got the really awesome opportunity to go to the Parapan American Games in Lima, Peru with Team USA. And I got like a little bit of, I got a taste of like the high life which is basically, they're like, all right, Josie, we're going to pay for your flight, your food, and your accommodations. All you have to do is ride your bike. And I was like, that's it? That's all you want me to do? This is, this is a bike vacation. Um, so it was actually in the road race at the Parapan American Games when I realized that my bike handling skills were just shit. There is just like, specifically I can't turn left and it's the left hand that I'm missing and I was like okay is it because of that or is it just because like my bike handling skills suck and so when I got back from Lima I like hopped on my gravel bike which was then uh, just like a cross or mm -hmm. XC what is it cyclocross bike. bike yeah and I told Taylor, I was like, we're going for a gravel ride. I'm like, this is how I see me learning how to get better bike handling skills is going to work. And that was essentially my introduction to graveling. I just went, I just went full gas into it. Just like, <laughs> as I do everything, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, tell us a little bit about your disability before people are like, wait, did she get her hand cut off by a tractor when she was young? Or just so people know for context. For sure. Yeah. So I was just born without a left hand. No, no crazy story. Nothing to like no tractors, nothing or, crazy. Yep. I was just like, this is it. This is how I came out. <laughs> um, so my amputation is transradial. So it's um below the elbow and it's actually super interesting and unique because I have some quote-unquote wrist movement mm -hmm. but there's no fingers but <laughs> so it's just kind of like moves around for fun um so yeah that makes more sense when you're like is my bike can are my bike handling skills because I don't have a hand <laughs> <laughs> like up until that point my whole life I was like I can do anything and it's not because of what I don't have. It's because of the way I use what I do have. And so like 
I couldn't like my brain never made those connections because I told myself to never think of it that way. But then when I got onto the bike, I was like, where you have to be balanced. I was like, oh, so I know that I'm not technically balanced, but no one is really right. And I'm like, why, why won't the bike turn left? Why can't I just turn it left? <laughs> did the, did the bike help the gravel bike help you get better handling skills? Um, that's a good <laughs> question. I feel like I'm still learning how to handle a bike and learning how to turn left. Um, I feel like the gravel bike really helped me get over a lot of mental obstacles that like anybody would think of when they're first getting onto a gravel bike. Like one, like, whoa, that descent looks pretty scary. It's kind of steep. Like, or like, how do I just start rolling on a gravel bike? And then, it, so like uh, mentally the gravel bike really pushed me to a new level where instead of being like, oh, I'm going to crash. Oh, I can't like do this descent. I like just looked at what was going on. I was like, okay, first I have to get on the bike and then I had to clip in. And then I was in the phase of just like clutching the brakes. So I was like, all right, clip, get on the bike, clip in and then brake and then let go of the brake. Like as I keep going. And then when the terrain goes right, go right. When the terrain goes left, go left. The terrain goes up, go up. Uh, and like that really helped me start thinking about riding with my hips instead of like mm. steering with my arms. How is your bike that, modified? Um, so at first I just had a cable splitter for okay. uh, some V-brakes and that was super limiting because I would have to, I get both brakes when I pull it and then I have to pull twice as hard with one hand to get 50% of the braking power to each brake, if that made sense. Mm. Um, so now on my gravel bike, I have disc brakes now instead of rim brakes. So that was an upgrade. And then I also have it set up with, so I can regulate the front and the back brake differently. So I have the regular hoods on the right-hand side for the back brake. And then the front brake, I took a, a mountain bike XTR lever and I just clamped it around the hood, around the drop, like a sprint shifter, but a brake lever. So then I have two brake levers for two brakes that are just ultimately like so much better. And I realized like, if I can brake faster, I'll like push myself with speed and go harder too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And who is your, who, do, who makes your bike? Um, so I'm Shimano equipped. So everything okay. I have is the DI2, nice. which is also super helpful because like, instead of like, pressing and pulling on a cable it's just touching a button which like really helps because I've realized that my hand has been overworking it's been working at 200 percent my whole life so just having that ease of um having it be electronic is so much easier and then even on the road bike too where I have two chain rings like I don't need a second hood for the front chain ring because I can just use the 
technology of full synchro and it will just automatically change for me. That's cool. That's great that they're doing stuff like that. Hadn't thought about Shimano, like that gear working. So it helps, helps people like you. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I really do believe that, um, technology is pushing the industry and if we kind of nudge it in the right direction to be more inclusive for adaptive athletes, then they just get a bitter, bigger audience to sell to. We get more people on bikes. It's a win-win all mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah, I love that. One of the other things I read in the article was uh, you talked about you kind of fought against uh, having any kind of prosthetic or adaptive stuff on your gravel bike specifically. And then you dealt with some injuries last mm -hmm. year and realized, oh, maybe I don't need to be so stubborn about this, <laughs> which I think a lot of us can relate to, right? Like we don't want to need help, but then we realize we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. So could you maybe talk about the process of that? And um, kind of, yeah, tell us that story. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, okay. I'll put a disclaimer out there. Taylor, my partner, has been telling me from day one, before I even started training for the Tokyo Paralympics, like just commuting on my bike, he's like, hey, you should, you should get a prosthetic. It will help like even you out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I hear what you're saying, but how do you know? And he's like, because I ride a bike. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't <laughs> ride a bike the way I ride a bike. And he's like, okay. Um, so and then even after I started training, like, I just like, didn't want a prosthetic because I guess in my head, that was me admitting that I am quote unquote disabled to myself and my whole life. I got super far treating myself the complete opposite. Like I was normal. Um, so when I went on gravel rides, like obviously the importance of balance is so much bigger than say being on a road with a lot of like nicely paved lanes and stop signs and everything um like being on the gravel like you you've really got to be balanced mm -hmm. and so like it the it was higher risk for sure but I also kind of like pushing my limits so to me it was just super fun until this one day Taylor and I went on this ride, this gravel ride, and we did it. It wasn't even like a super technical descent. It was just a popular trail with hikers. And he went and literally whatever he does, I just do, I just follow. And so I followed him, but there, the hikers like moved into the good line. And so I was like, oh, just like kind of this off camber a little bit to get past them. And when I'm riding on a good line, my imbalances make me already off camber, so to say. So then when I, once I hit that off camber on the trail, like I just went down. It, it like made sense, makes sense to me in hindsight. Um, so it was actually like super interesting. Um, Taylor was like way more upset about it than I was. And cause he like realized like what that meant. And he's, and I was just like, Oh, all right. This is just my life now. Like, let's move on. Let's like get through it. Let's get move past it. Um, 
So we called a friend to pick us up and um, this was actually right before, this was in February of 2020. And so before the US started shutting down because of Corona and in my head, like as I was sitting there that day, I was like, I'm still gonna do it. I'm still gonna train and go to Tokyo and just push through it because that's what I do and that's what I do best. But then after Tokyo got postponed, like this huge relief and weight, literally and metaphorically just lifted off my shoulder. And I was like, okay, now I get to actually like listen to my body. And what my body was saying was like, this is just the straw that broke the clavicle, the AC joint. Uh, this has been going on for a really long time. You have been totally ignoring me because you're just so mind over body, mind over matter. Um, and from there, I literally just started listening to my body. So like I would take like baths and I'd like put my ears underwater and I could hear like flow and like cracks and stuff go in my shoulder if I moved yeah. it in a certain way. And I was like, okay, let's go for towards like lower heart rate, you know? So like e easier breathing for the heart. And that's how I just literally first started listening to my body. And even today, like not just this shoulder, but like now this shoulder too, doing a lot of just like opening up because I've had 27 years of imbalances that I have ignored and overcompensated for. And they are just like so deeply ingrained in my body. And Taylor and I say this a lot, but that day on the gravel bike and that accident, like was the best thing that probably could have happened to me at the best time. Like being right before a postponed games, a year, a, a year, whole year to just like reset and reevaluate. Um, it was like, like I think about when I was in school and I would make a first draft of like a paper or a lab report and I'm like, all right, this is good. But then I go through and do a second draft. I'm like, whoa, no, this is way better. So I had that opportunity now with the postponement of the games. Um, and then that's, and then I also found myself on dirt more because I was kind of getting tired of getting flicked off on the road <laughs> for taking up six feet of space, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and then it, it also occurred to me, I was like, well, my friends are buying mountain bikes, but mountain bikes aren't in the Paralympics. So why would I buy one? Like, why, why would I do this? And I realized that because of the way that it's set up at the Paralympic level, it creates this mindset for me as a para-athlete that I am not capable on a mountain bike. And all my friends were like, Josie, come on. Like, you're the most capable person we know. Like, just get it. Just get the mountain bike. And I'm like, all right, I'll get it. Um, and it turns out, like, that feeling was is just a double standard. Like, why can't para-athletes be on mountain bikes at an elite level? Like, I already found through, like, organizations, adaptive sport organizations, and getting a prosthetic that a lot of 
adaptive athletes are already riding out on mountain bikes and dirt bikes. So it's like, again, just like the double standard of this committee that is probably made up mostly of able-bodied people telling us what we can and can't do. And that is like the one thing I am trying to break like that's the taboo I'm trying to break like now this is my purpose in life this like Tokyo is no longer just the end goal like now it's just a stepping stone and a pair of mountain biking getting that to be a Paralympic sport like that that's the end goal and that's something that's not even just going to help me it's going to help so many other people so I know that like this is it like this is my calling uh it also kind of breaks another taboo where it's like, if you put on a race, you can't win it. But I think if I get para mountain biking to be put in the Paralympics, I think I can win it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're spreading your joy for all of this and growing the community. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really great to actually be a part of a community where I feel like I can give back. Um, I always felt like as a kid, I was just taking so much extra time and effort from my family, from my friends, from my mentors, my teachers, just to have them help me that like, I like really wanted to like help them back in some way. And that's what I was missing in with other connections in my past and like, now that I found what I'm good at and what I can do for the cycling community and the industry and at like the elite level, like I'm so stoked. That's amazing. I, I have no doubt you're going to get it <laughs> in the Olympics. <laughs> does Meg Fisher ride mountain bikes or she does. does she just ride gravel? Yeah. She rides mountain bikes. Oh yeah. Meg rides mountain too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had Meg on the podcast last year. And yeah. she's, she's like you, she's a force to be reckoned with. Just like nothing's oh, yeah. stopping. <laughs> it was just a matter of time until we meet each other and we're like, yep, this is, <laughs> this is what we should be doing. I, I have a feeling it's going to be on mountain bikes and it's going to be awesome. Love it. I believe it. Well, so are you're still going for the Olympic games this summer though, for Tokyo. Mm -hmm. yep. have, have you qualified yet? No. So tryouts are June 19th. And, and track or road? Which one are those are you? Uh, for road. For road. So it's interesting so, the way that the Paralympics are set up. Like every other sport, I guess, there's more men than women. And so the men have the capacity to specialize in either track. But for women, we're expected to do both, just to fill seats and saddles. Um, so while... I would say you could look at that situation in two ways. And the extremes are one that it's frustrating. Like why aren't there enough women out there? But the way I see it is it just is what it is. And it's actually an opportunity for me. So like being so new to cycling, I don't know what I'm good at. And I've realized with this prosthetic that I have not been sprinting very well, like with my whole body at all, like, we did a test the first week I got my cycling prosthetic and my 20 
second sprint increased by 40%. Wow. Like, do you know, I feel like people would pay millions of dollars for that kind of increase. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool, but also makes sense. And then at this last paracycling event um, in the, in April, I tested it out. Like, and I out sprinted a sprinter in a road race. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. <laughs> this, this is very obvious. <laughs> Experiment went as planned, which it never does. And yeah, so like, like I said, um, it's an opportunity for me to compete at Tokyo, not just for road, but for track as well, which is great. Awesome. So like the way I see it, um, the tryouts in June, they're technically for road, but if I can see the bigger picture and I look past the finish line or past the tryouts and I can see the bigger picture, like that's going to give me the best mental state to be in to do really well at the tryouts. Did that make sense? Such a, sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm just like talking a circle. <laughs> now, well, the, like you said, everything that's within the Paralympics is quite confusing. Like I did triathlon for a long time and we worked with uh, the paratri team here, but just even like, there's, you know, three different ways you can, that you would be characterized and like, it's, it's very confusing and it's, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's like many things with the Olympics. It's just very confusing and kind of an odd, yeah. like, what is that out there? So no, that makes sense. Um, and I have no doubt that you're going to be one of the leaders that brings more women into the sport. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Just that sounds amazing. Like I never, ever pictured myself being that kind of influence in an academic position or even like a professional opinion, like as like a microbiome lab manager. I was like, I never thought I'd be I could be that kind of influence, but now I can be just by riding my bike. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, so cool. Do you, did your parents help instill that idea of you can do anything or was that just something that you felt like you wanted to fight against your disability growing up? Um, it was totally my parents. Like, um, so also I'm adopted. So these were my adopted parents and there's always two sides to every coin, right? So them really pushing me and helping me believe in myself on the other side of that coin, like had me have blinders on to opportunities like the Paralympics and to getting prosthetics. And I totally wouldn't have it any other way. Like if I could go back and do any, undo anything, like, I don't think I would. Um, because it totally shapes who I am today. Like if I would have known about the Paralympics or accepted prosthetics, I would have probably put myself into a smaller box of like my capabilities and who I could be as a person. So yeah, like I have a lot to think, to be thankful for. And like my parents really helped me become like a mentally strong and like capable individual just not at like the cycling level, but like, like I did it. I did the whole like nine to five job and I can contribute, but I was like, this is, this is not for me. <laughs> so interesting to think about that from that perspective, like this, the space was carved out for you, but because you didn't take it, 
you excelled past it. That's interesting. I mean, and, and you're, and you're excelling in it so well because of that. Now that you're, now that you found the, that's that space to in the, for the Olympics, that's interesting. So. Yeah. I realized with making uh, my mini docu-film, Go Josie, that that mindset totally comes from me being adopted. And mm -hmm. it's just like, uh, like I always think outside the box or I've always been thinking like literally missing the, the, uh, the big idea or the big picture, like literally, like can't figure out what everybody else can feel and assume of everyone else because I'm just like thinking about these other ways to get there um <laughs> and I yeah like love that. again like I wouldn't change it for anything else because now that I have like a community that can help me stay focused and on track it, on like the big picture I'm like oh okay that's cool uh like that's what that's what they contribute to me and then I contribute like finding opportunities during like seemingly negative situations for them. So it's right, a balance and a two-way road. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something cool in that mix of like not seeing the box, but then like at the right time going, oh, but actually if I take the, the help to take the prosthetic, like I'm like a lot faster <laughs> because yeah. of that, you know? So I think it's a, there's not an either or. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. There's, and I think that's like the point for me that I'm trying to relay to people for life. It's like, you don't have to do everything that everybody tells you you have to do. Like if you don't want a nine to five, like you don't have to do that. If you aren't good at academics, you don't have to get a degree. Like if you don't want like the like house with white picket fence and like family life, like you don't have to do that. Just like choose what you want to do and do what you're good at. Like there is no right or wrong, especially like on the trails. Like there is no right or wrong line. It's like getting over that steep, loose climb and just staying upright, no matter how fast or how good it looks, like it's just about getting over it and then like enjoying the downhill <laughs> after. So you should literally see the front of my house because there's a white picket fence out in front. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was here when I bought it. I want to get rid of it, but I <laughs> Yeah, see, you can get rid of it. It doesn't have to be a white picket it fence. It doesn't have to be a white picket fence. Yeah. Oh, I know that. It's just a bit the matter of taking the time to get rid of it. I'd rather go ride my bike. <laughs> so. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, 100%. Right. But good priorities. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my priorities are in the right place when it comes to biking, mostly. So, yeah. Oh, man. That's amazing. Well, after you get this Tokyo thing out of your system, are we going to see you line up at any starting lines at gravel events? Oh, definitely. I was actually just talking with um, a friend about this. After I built the gravel bike for Go Josie, I got the prosthetic. And so now with the prosthetic, it has its own like limits, right? And the limit for the prosthetic on the gravel bike is that I'm only in the drops. I can only oh. be in the drops, which is like, Nobody uses the drops actually for a gravel bike. It's just like 
there, right? Like everyone's always in the hoods. Um, so I realized if I wanted to do use the prosthetic with the gravel bike, I should go flat bars. So I'm gonna put some flat bars on now and then yeah, show up to races, just dialed like that. That's my plan. And then if you uh, qualify for Tokyo, which it sounds like you're on a very good path for that, you you have to go by yourself this year, right? There'll be no, you can't take your family. You can't take Taylor with you because of the COVID protocols. How are you feeling about that? Well, it's my first games. So I, I had no really, I have no expectations or really know what is going to happen. And 2020 taught me that the Paralympics are totally out of my control. So anything that's out of my control, I just kind of like, eh, just let it be whatever it is. Like, okay, postponed a year. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll be ready. I'll be even more ready. Actually, I'm going to be better off having it postponed. So it's like in these situations, like for example, like no spectators, like I think that works better for me. Like learning about myself, um, doing go Josie, I realized that like on the inside, I, I am so comfortable just like being alone. Whereas I think the average person kind of struggles with their own thoughts and I'm just, and I'm like being out there on like in an empty stadium. That, that, that seems fine. Yeah. It just isn't what it is. Just kind of like the way I was born. I'm like, it just is what it is. All right, let's move on. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. I love that attitude. Yep, me too. <laughs> okay, tell us about this film that you keep referring to because I'm sure people are going to want to um, find it and see it. Uh, yeah, so I made a, a documentary uh, that lives on the Pearl Izumi YouTube called Go Josie. And I'll be honest, I had no expectations going into it because I've never made a film before. And um, how this actually happened is a really good story too. So 2020 happened, I got the mountain bike and I'm like, I wanna go ride my mountain bike some more. And my partner Taylor and I end up in Moab in Canyonlands just by chance, just like complete randomness. Like we were, we had like a five week road trip planned out, but then we left as soon as the fire started in California and we we're like, well, we're not going to just go straight into a fire because that's what we planned. And so we just like started just shooting the gaps of good air quality. And so we ended up in Moab a lot. And so we were there by chance and we were on the White Room Trail. And before this trip, I had heard nothing about the White Room Trail. And then it just so happened, like we saw it the first time around in Moab. And then here the second time around, we were on the White Rim Trail and we pull up next to this guy in a van and it turns out his wife is an Asian adopted woman and he lived next door to a guy with two hooks as hands. So we hit it off immediately and he was the filmmaker, David. Um, who helped me make Go Josie. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. He was just like, 
all right, Josie, you have a lot going on. You have a big story and I want to help you tell it. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'm in. And so we started just like kind of egging each other on and being like, okay, well, if we're, if this is going to happen, this is what we need to do next. We need to find some sponsors. We need to find a place for the video to live. And it's really awesome because at that point, um, I had like Pearl Izumi, Shimano, Swiftwick and Laser as sponsors. And they were, they just said yes. Even though I'm not a professional athlete yet, I have no athletic background. Like I don't even know genetically, like if I'm like special at athletics or not. And I'm like super new to cycling. And they were like, we see the potential in sharing your story with how it will build a better community and industry to be more inclusive. And so they gave me a chance uh, by supporting Josie as well. So again, it was just kind of like right time, right place, asking the right people, just having that good Tinder luck, I guess, <laughs> as well. Um, and this video really turned out to be like uh, in real life kind of epiphany for myself that like I need to stop doing not everything that I've been doing the way I've been doing it, but some things like asking for help. You, you got to ask for help. Like that's number one, just do that. Because it was funny because they would interview me and they'd be like, all right, well, you call yourself Miss Stubbornness. And I just call myself that on Instagram because I thought it was funny. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm stubborn and I have a stub. I was born with a stub. It, it like made sense. <laughs> um, so they're like, what, what are you most stubborn about? And I'm like, definitely asking for help. And, I, and that's when it clicked. I was like, okay, gotta undo that. Gotta find something, find the people, find a reason to make me second guess myself so I can evolve and improve and become a better person. And it turned out bicycles are it. Bicycle is the answer for me. Well, I know what I'm doing after we get done with the interview. So I'm going to go watch the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to say you're going to get on Tinder. No. <laughs> <laughs> I really want them to call this interview Swipe Right. <laughs> That'd be good. I like that. <laughs> good. There you go. Swipe right, right. Yeah, and only right, because that's my right hand. <laughs> I love it. It all lines up for you, Josie. It's incredible. I love it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I see big things for you coming, yep. Josie. Um, well, how can people keep following you? You said you're Miss Stubbornness on Instagram. Is it just Miss Stubbornness or are there any? It's MS dot stubbornness. Okay. MS stubbornness and anywhere else people could follow your journey um soon I'll be on sport rx youtube we're gonna create like a little mini Josie series um but that will be yeah that'll be around June 19th the same time as the Tokyo tryouts um and then that's that's it all I'm I've really got going on for the social media part uh that's we'll okay yeah, yeah that's okay. i feel like i should have more 
but this is where I'm at. Like I said, still fairly new to everything, but learning as I go. Yeah. Well, you've got a lot ahead of you and we will be looking forward to following your journey to Tokyo and seeing you at a gravel event soon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Sure. Thank you for having me. This is fun. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.